Thank you for that worship this morning. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. I'll continue our series that we've been on well over a year now, uh, looking through John's gospel. Uh, Come and see. Come and see. We are in the uh, final days of Jesus' life. Uh, We spent the entire year of 2022 looking at the public ministry of Jesus through John's gospel. We're now spending this time in the private ministry of Jesus, and we'll soon be looking at the passion ministry of Jesus uh, in the next several weeks. Jonas was here last week and did a fantastic job introducing us to John chapter 14. Uh, I just got to say, I didn't know he was going to preach on John chapter 14. So I already had a sermon for John chapter 14, 1 to 14, already laid out. And so to summarize what Jonah said using some of the alliteration that I came up with, uh, (laughs) Jonah did a great job last week. I mean, it was a very moving sermon. But essentially what Jesus is now doing in this conversation with his disciples is preparing them for his departure. And last week we saw that here is a promise that I'm going to go away. It's a promise that I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back and take you to a place that I have made for you. It's the promise of heaven. It is a promise of eternal life. And then when asked how do they get there, Jesus gave them the pathway to eternal life when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's, and then Philip asked the question, you know, how can we see the Father or we want to see the Father? We know that, okay, we don't understand, but you're going away. And Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And we've spent time in past sermons looking at how Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is uniquely 100% human. He experiences emotions. He experienced uh, the troubles of life. He experienced joy. He ate. He fellowshiped. But at the same time, he is 100% fully God completely. He is 100% man 100% God, and that gives him the authority to make the promises that he is making. It is his divinity. It is the work that he is getting ready to do on the cross, which is, I think, two or three weeks ago, where we talked about the work of Christ and his redeeming work of the cross. Now, I wasn't there, but I can imagine the disciples find themselves pretty confused. It's like, what's he talking about? He's going away? We can't go with him? but he's going to come back and get it. They don't understand. But I can also imagine that they're thinking, well, if Jesus, if you're going away to prepare this place for us and you're coming back, what are we supposed, what are we supposed to do while we wait? Now, how many of you like to wait? Anybody who's been to the doctor recently, do you like to wait? Is that just me? Yeah. I, I have to be honest. This, I'll try, to, try not to get emotional. As I was thinking about the idea of waiting, there was a couple at Pleasant Grove that uh, the wife who passed away about a year or so ago, her name was Irene, she was a social butterfly. She talked to everybody. And after church, talk, 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 talk. Her husband, quiet. What did he do after church? Wait. Wait. Where did he wait? Car. <laughs> I used to go eat breakfast with him from time to time, and when he was ready to go, 
He waited in the car. <laughs> and eventually she would get there. Now, I mean, he would just sit there. I mean, you would sit out there and you'd look at him. He just. Uh, but I love, he loved her, and so he waited for her. And, you know, I, I, I don't like to wait. When I'm waiting, anybody else? This passes the time. Uh, teenagers, you probably scroll through Facebook, Instagram, whatever y'all do these days that I'm not aware of anymore. I don't know. Me, Candy Crush and Toon Blast. <laughs> I tried this, uh, roll, this theme park tycoon game, but it was too slow. All right? You had to watch a lot of ads to play it. But we, the disciples are now in a period, they're like, we're going to have to wait. What are we supposed to do? Church. We are in a period of waiting. Like Jonas was saying last week, we are waiting and praying for the return of Jesus. So what do we do? Are we supposed to just sit here and grab our phones and play Candy Crush and Tune Blast until Jesus comes back? Are we supposed to just pig out on some good food? That's a part of it. Okay, let's, let's just be honest. But as the disciples and as the church, what are we supposed to do why we, while we wait, how are we supposed to do it? And so for this sermon, and then a couple weeks from now, when we'll pick back up, the one big thing, the idea that I want you to see is this. For those who believe in him, we will be empowered by him to do works for him. That's kind of the main idea of this week and the next sermon we get to in John. Those who believe in him are empowered by him to do the works for him. So here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Truly, emphatically, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. He will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Let's pray. Father, as we examine this passage this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts to its truth, pour out your Spirit so we may apply it to our lives, and that we may do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. There's two insights from the passage I want to share with you. First, this one is this one. Church, we have work to do. Church, there is work to do. Jesus begins this section by transitioning from talking about the work he is going to do, the work of saving the world from the sins through his sacrificial act on the cross, through his resurrection, through the victory of the resurrection. He transitions from the work he is going to do to telling his followers that there is work for them to do. And he states it very emphatically and very matter-of-factly. He says, you will, in fact, do these works. Anyone who believes in me will do these works. Now, listen, he's talking to the disciples in the room. He could have very easily had said, hey, you 12 you 11 disciples, and you're going to do some great things. And and then Luke's going to write a book about it. And it's going to be called The Acts. And, and it's going to kind of detail a lot of these amazing things that you're going to do. But he says, anyone who believes in me. This is an application for the whole 
church, for every single believer from this moment until he returns, that there is greater works for all the believers to do. My favorite quote, which I have said a thousand times, and I'm going to say it a thousand one, is from Adrian Rogers. You know it. We're not a jar of pickles. We don't sit soaking sour, right? We work. There is a job for all believers to do. And Jesus says there's greater works. Now that should cause us to pause. Greater works. Jesus, I just read about you and the disciples are like, we just, we've seen you walk on water. We've seen Peter attempt to walk on water. He did it and then he sank. We've seen you feed 5,000 people with a Lunchable from Food Lion, right? Loaves, fish. We've seen you heal the blind man. We've seen you uh, make the lame walk. We've seen you do all these things. We're going to do greater works than you. And Jesus is like, yes. And, and listen, the disciples, you can read about this in Acts, they do miracles. And I believe miracles still happen today. But that's not really the greater works that Jesus is talking about. Because listen to me, none of us are Jesus. None of us will die on a cross for the sins of the world, which I think is the greatest work in all of human history. The greatest work that God has ever done was to save sinners through what Jesus did on the cross. That's not what we're going to do. What does Jesus mean? So you're going to do greater works. I want you to think about it geographically. Jesus' ministry was very centralized to a relatively small part of the planet while he was here. So when he says greater works, he's telling these disciples, he's telling future disciples, he's saying the greater works you're going to do is the fact you're going to take my message, you're going to take the gospel, and you're going to expand it beyond the borders of Galilee, beyond the borders of Judea, beyond the borders of Jerusalem, beyond the borders of Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's the Great Commission, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the greater works, the global impact. And, and the, the disciples are sitting here, and I know they can't fathom it. Peter, the, the guy who keeps his foot in his mouth for like three straight years of being with Jesus. In 50 days or so, 50, 55, 60 days from this moment is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to stand up and preach and 3,000 people are going to be saved. We're told at the beginning of Acts that there's about 120 of Jesus' followers gathered. About 120 people while Jesus was on the planet. And then Peter's going to stand up and preach and 3,000, that's greater works. And then those people will go back to their home. Some stay in Jerusalem. Some go back to where they're from. And the gospel begins to expand. What they don't know, what the disciples don't know, but what Jesus does know, there's going to be this guy named Peter or Paul. Paul's going to be called by Jesus to take this gospel to the Gentiles for greater works. He's going to go into Rome. The very oppressive, na the oppressive nation of the Jewish people is going to be reached with the gospel. And around 300 Years after this, we can argue whether this was good or bad. It was probably not the greatest thing, but it will become the first nationwide, or the nationwide, not the first, but the nationwide religion of Rome. And then, and, and, and while Jesus is saying this, it's like in 2023, there's going to be a church in China Grove, a church that was 
planted and started by faithful disciples of mine. They're going to impact that city. Greater works because the disciples didn't even know this existed. That's the greater works. As we sit here today, there are greater works for us as a church to do. There are 6,000 unreached people groups in this world. Billions of people who have never heard about Jesus. And Jesus emphatically and matter-of-factly says, the believers, my church, my people, will do the greater works by taking my message to them. See, the work of Christ, while yes, completed in a sense, the salvation part of that work was completed on the cross. But the work of going to the nations is not finished. There are greater works for us to do. And listen, I know you're sitting here and you can go to the Joshua Project. You can see all of these different people groups. It's overwhelming. It's like, how can our little church here in China, China Grove reach 6,000 people groups? Well, we cooperate with other churches. But we also need to look at it as how can I impact the person I work with? How can I impact the student? How can I share the gospel with the student who sits next to me in class who's not a Christian? How can I, how can I share the gospel with my neighbors? Listen, I, I stand up here every week and I can see right out those doors. They're glass, beautiful glass doors. You know how many people walk up and down the streets while we're having worship? Now, I'm not saying they never go to church or they don't go to church. Some of them may well go to church at other places at different times. But some of them don't. I mean, I just think about the, the, the one mile, two mile radius around this building. There are greater works for us to do. And I know it's overwhelming. But we are empowered to do so. He says, because I go to the Father. The very fact that Jesus goes to the Father, the necessity of that action means that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, which we'll look at next time, is going to come and empower us to do these greater works. He-Man was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. Any He-Man fans? I have the power, right? I love that little sword. I have the power, church! We have the power to do the greater works that we are told we are going to. To do, But before Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he starts with what I think is like essential to doing greater works. And it's this, and this is the second insight. This is the second thing I want you to see. The church has work to do. And as we think about the work, we must make prayer the priority. We must make prayer the priority. D.A. Carson, he says this, the disciples' fruitful conduct. The disciples, their fruitful conduct can expand to us. Our fruitful conduct is the product of their prayers offered in Jesus' name. Prayer is an essential priority. A lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of everything, we like to see the need. And we like to go gung-ho and meet the need and pray afterwards. Or we like to see a need, go gung-ho, hit a roadblock, then we pray. Church, we got, if we want to do the greater works that we are called to do, that we're told we're going to do, prayer has to be the number one priority. And there's two things I want you to see about prayer. One, it's the prayer of a believer. Whoever believes. 
who, th- these prayers are answered because it's a prayer from a believer. There's an assumption here in the text that the person praying is following Jesus, that the person has surrendered their life to Jesus. The truth is, listen, the truth is we are all sinners. I've told you many times, I'm a sinner. Me standing up here on this platform does not make me any better than you. I'm a sinner. But I've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The prayers that are answered are prayers of believers, those people who have recognized how utterly sinful they are. And there are consequences for sin. It's a separation from God. But Jesus is the Savior. Jesus, I use, we can think about the ABCs, admit, believe, confess. And the words that I like to use is we understand our condition as sinful people and our need for a Savior, and then we repent. We turn away from that sin. We turn away from the world. We change, our, our hearts are changed, our minds are changed. And we believe. The whole gospel of John is about belief. John is writing so that you would believe. And when you repent, you believe, you decide to follow. You surrender your life to Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the person that is praying to Jesus as we look at our text. The second thing is the authority to answer prayers resides and belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. Just as the Father has given, now listen to this, just as the Father has given authority to the Son, God has given authority to the Son. And so in this passage, the Son, in a sense, is giving authority to the disciples to do greater works if they pray in his name. Now, this is a very challenging passage, I think, for a lot of us. The last verse, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's tough on it for a lot of reasons because there are people in this room who have had family members who are, are sick and you have prayed in Jesus' name for their healing and they died. One of our former students just had a baby this week. Ten years ago, this past December, we sat in her house because her dad died of a heart attack suddenly. And they prayed. We prayed. This is a hard verse to wrestle with, but I want you to hear me. This this, this is why the prosperity gospel's false. Because what I would tell you is those prayers were answered. The healing did come. It just came in heaven. It's not what we wanted. It's what God deemed to be right. And so the healing happened. But when Jesus says, pray in my name, he's like, when you pray in alignment with my will, when you pray in alignment with my character, when you, uh, when you pray in alignment, that's why this is for believers, for people who are following Jesus intimately and closely. You're in the word every day. Your prayers will align with what Jesus wants to do and what God wants to do. When we pray for the salvation of others, that is the heart of Jesus. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He'll answer them. Usually never in our time. I know there's people been praying for the salvation of a coworker, a family member, a friend for decades. 
decades. Just keep praying. Just keep praying in Jesus' name. Align your prayers with the authority and the character of Jesus. But church, I need you to listen to me. There's a warning about prayer that I have to give us. We can become paralyzed by prayer. Did you know that? We can become so focused on prayer. Now, please don't misunderstand. We should be absolutely 100% focused on prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is the priority. But don't let prayer paralyze us. And what I mean by that is we can become such a praying people that we don't do anything. We become so focused on praying for somebody else to do it or praying that God would just miraculously step down and do it himself that we don't do it. Listen, there's a story in Matthew chapter 9 Uh, Jesus has completed the Sermon on the Mount. He's been going to villages and towns and he's been healing and preaching and he's standing up and he sees all these villages and he looks at his disciples and he has what the Bible calls compassion. He doubles over in pain. He has tears rolling down his face because he sees a multitude of people. This is a very, very emotional Jesus in this passage. He sees all these people and he says, they are sheep without a shepherd. All these people are lost, they're hurting, they're dejected, they're distressed, and there's nobody to help them. There's nobody to heal them. There's nobody to tell them about me, Jesus. He is just absolutely emotional. And he looks at his disciples and he says, and if you've been in church, you know this passage, he says, pray that there would be workers because the harvest, this is my paraphrase, pray for workers Because look, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. There's not enough people to go take care of them, to tell them about me. Pray for workers. And then in chapter 10, he goes through some things. It's a list of the disciples' names. And then Jesus says, go out to the people. After telling them to pray for workers at the end of Matthew 9, as you start and kind of get into Matthew 10, Jesus sends them out to do the very work, to be the workers that they have been praying for. Listen, when we pray to do these greater works in Jesus' name, when we pray in Jesus' name to do and accomplish great things for the kingdom, we've got to understand we're the workers. We cannot be paralyzed by prayer. When we pray for someone to take the gospel to our lost coworker or our lost neighbor, maybe you're the one that needs to knock on the door. Take them, have a cup of coffee, build relationships, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. And it's all for the glory of God. I don't want you to miss that. The greater works, praying in Jesus' name, all of this is for the glory of God. John Piper, he says that missions exist because worship does not. There are people today who do not worship God. There are people today who've never heard of Jesus. The mission that we're called to as a church exists because those people aren't worshiping. And so church, we have work to do. We have work to do. And yeah, we start here. We start here. This is our Jerusalem. 
But we don't stay here. We take the gospel to the nations. And we do it with prayer as our priority. Knowing, you can read ahead in chapter 14, knowing that the Holy Spirit will be sent to empower us. Uh, I know when I was a teenager, I was scared to death to tell people about Jesus. You know why? I'm still scared to death, to be honest with you. Because I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the smartest person in the room most of the time. Some might say I'm the dimmest light bulb in the room. I was like, somebody's going somebody's to be smarter than me, and they're going to ask a question. I'm not going to know how to answer it. And I'm reminded that all i got to do is tell them about Jesus. God empowers me to do that. All i got to do is plant the seed. He'll grow it. He'll grow it. So we have work to do. My challenge to you is this, as you think today, I want you to think about people. Here's an acronym. It's called FRAN, F-R-A-N. You can use it. Think about your friends. Think about your relatives. Think about your associates. And think about your neighbors. Is there anybody in that group who doesn't know Jesus? Start praying for them. Start looking for ways to tell them about Jesus. we got work to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Father, as a church, it's overwhelming to see the needs just in this community, and it's overwhelming to see the brokenness and the lostness around this world. Father, help us to be laser-focused on advancing the gospel, laser-focused on expanding the kingdom. Father, help us to be laser-focused on being disciples who make disciples. Empower us, embolden us. And we pray for every lost person that we know. Every lost person in China Grove, every lost person in Rowan County, in this state, nation, and country, we pray for every one of them. That you would raise up someone, a believer, to share the gospel with them. That they would be open to hearing it. And that they would receive it. And that you would bring them into the family. To change their lives. Father, change our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.